Hey guys, nice to have you on today. So how did Greywood's plot all come together? Uh, Greywood's plot was sort of, uh, Dan and I really wanted to, actually I really wanted to make a feature film. Like that was like my big bucket list item to do. And I, I knew I wanted to make it. So for my 31st birthday, I had prepared to go out and Dan, me, Strauss and Keith were going to go film this movie. Um, and I'd written out note cards and stuff like that and just kind of went in with a script mint and not a full idea. Um, and But they followed me into the woods and we shot and kind of failed miserably, came back and decided we should really write a script. And then Dan and I sat down and wrote it and we uh, eventually came out with a, with a movie. Yeah. And Dan, you worked with Joss before on The Good Exorcist. So how did you and Joss get to know each other? How did that relationship kind of evolve to what it is today yeah so i met josh uh we met in kindergarten uh <laughs> so we've known each other a long time uh and our, our buddy keith as well um josh has known him since basically the day they were born so uh we've been making you know homemade movies since we were kids and um you know over the years that's progressed um you know we've we did music for a while. We were in bands together, Josh and I. And then when YouTube kind of came around, we did some like comedy sketch routine stuff. Um, and then Josh went to school for animation and uh, I helped him with like voices and stuff. And, and you know, I'd send him feedback. And then, yeah, with the feature film, we sort of fell into it with the whole uh, Rebel Without a Crew series. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he asked if I would act in it because we didn't know what to expect from the experience. So I'm like, sure, let's let's do it. <laughs> right. And Josh, uh, you were on my podcast before I was doing infamous, infamous interviews on YouTube. So, and we talked about it before in the past that you kind of worked on Kevin Smith's Tusk before you did Greywood's Plot. And, so, and I think you told me that had a little bit of inspiration to do to see if you can do a creature feature a little bit better than Kevin or if you can do your own. So I'm curious if you can kind of tell that story again, if you don't mind. No, yeah, totally. I um I always wanted to do, I was a huge fan of movies like Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, The Fly. I love this concept. I mean, even dating back to, you know, the metamorphosis reading that in high school you know like i've always loved this concept of man becoming beast um and then i worked on tusk and it wasn't wasn't necessarily that i thought i could do it better but i knew that i had a different story to tell and i knew that i had um always wanted to do that so seeing that kevin could do something like that i was just like well what's my take on this sort of friendship that goes awry and i i thought that that was sort of a missed opportunity in tusk the relationship between them and i really wanted to to see what i could do with that and uh, but it really all came from me wanting to make a movie where dan played a dr frankenstein like character i always loved the doctor who is like behind everything and is sort of like he wants to be famous but the reality is is he's using someone else or something else to actually get there so making graywood sort of this like i want that's what i wanted to tell the story of is like who is this dr frankenstein um and i that's that's really where it came from so so i think kevin was the impetus to sort of go like you know what? I don't, I can do that. I don't care if, right. if he has to 
you know, I think Tusk cost like five million dollars or something like that. That was his budget. I was like, if he's going to or if he's going to spend five million dollars on this, we can make it for two grand and give it a shot and see what happens. Right. And, you know, with this being a do it yourself kind of budget, like you just mentioned, two grand, you know, a lot of times the disconnect on movies like this is they are they move kind of slow right like you don't mean to it's just like the editing process and the production value they kind of you can tell like it was made for that but with gray woods you can't really tell that it was made for just 2k so was that something you wanted to emphasize too on the character study and the you know constructing this of uh, the film all together did you just want to you know what you can do this for a do-it-yourself budget and it can act like a theatrical release yeah i'll let dan speak to this a little bit as far as like the characters go but as far as like this like wanting it to move at a solid pace i specifically when i start out i do note cards and i may i lay out 40 note cards because i know if i have 40 scenes in the movie it's not going to be slow and prodding and boring i know that if each one of those scenes i can write something on it that says like I need a monster in this scene. I need then I can like visually look at it and be like, this chunk is going to be boring because this is just talking, 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 talking. We need something to happen in here. So that's sort of been my method of not falling into the trope of, you know, indie film that's just like we're filling time with dialogue and nothing is happening and we're kind of just going in circles because you see that happen a lot. Right. It's almost like mumblecore to a fault with mm -hmm. independent films a lot now, right? right totally yeah and that's kind of actually what we started with this film too and we just realized we it, it, it just made more sense for us to make something structured especially for the story we wanted to tell and these characters we wanted to explore it just made more sense to go a more conventional storytelling route um and yeah that's just credit to josh i mean going to school for animation i think he's just a very visual storyteller and he knows how to move the camera consistently without it you know without ever feeling too slow or too uh too bored <laughs> yeah i think you can still see the bones of that mumble core mentality yeah. we had going into yeah. it like through the first 30 minutes of the movie you can kind of feel those moments where you're like is this going to be just like a slow prodding thing and i think you know i've mm -hmm. heard people say like it, we've had some reviews where they're like i would have shaved off 10 minutes or i would have shaved off 15 minutes right. but what they don't kind of understand is I don't think it packs the punch if we do shave off because at the last 45 right. minutes, you can't really shave off anything or you lose story elements. And if we shave anything off to, of the first 45 minutes, you really don't earn that second chunk of the movie. Yeah. Right. And it's always that thing, you know, like if you save off 10 minutes from the beginning, you don't get the character background or you can't get to this point on the third final act without, you know, that little bit of dialogue to really explain it. Right. And with these characters, it's like you kind of have to be a little bored to understand what their lives are. You've got to feel what they're feeling. And um, I hope it's just I hope when people watch it, even the people who say that or the people, you know, other people who maybe read that review, they understand like that the boring element of it really is that we're still visually doing things as boring as a moment may be like we're sitting by the campfire there's still like fun things happening around us it's funny because like i've asked or i've talked to people where i'm like 
would you shave off any time? And they were like, yeah, maybe I'd shave off like five or 10 minutes. And then I'd be like, what would you shave off? And they try to like think right. through it. And they're like, I don't, maybe nothing. I don't really know. <laughs> Your end credits are too long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. That, that 15 seconds of screaming is just too much. <laughs> and Josh, I think I told you this in a previous interview we did with my old podcast is I really enjoyed that alkaline trio reference yeah. that you had with your mom oh. on the couch <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, yeah um we definitely were trying to put in some fun little references and stuff like that throughout the whole thing and it's fun when people notice what because there's keith also has that line where he says uh i i hate warm beer it makes me puke which is for, for me it was a reference to um blue velvet because that's what he says in blue velvet oh, yeah, yeah. but i've had other people <laughs> take that or take that line and be like are you referencing this song because apparently other bands have taken that song and like that or taken that those words and put it as a song title before and like there's like three bands that have done it and so people <laughs> sometimes think i'm referencing that when i was i was really referencing blue velvet a little bit and how did that scene come together? Because that was like your real mom in that. And you got her to say that line about, <laughs> about sitting out razor blades. So that had to be really fun for her to say. The whole thing was fun. Because Dan and I uh, directed my mom in that scene together. Daniel came yeah. over when my mom came over. And we were just kind of like spent the whole time messing with her. And that was the whole right. reason for putting my mom. <laughs> that That whole scene I wrote as a way to make my mom have to say terrible things on camera and I could get away with it because I thought that would be a lot of fun I just thought it would be a goofy thing having her say like basically she wishes she had never had me I just thought that'd be hilarious um but it's funny because the one thing she wouldn't say was goddamn I had wrote goddamn into the script for her to say like three times and she would not absolutely would not say it and I thought that was pretty hilarious <laughs> so that's the one thing she would the, not say at all the one place her that's Catholic guilt would not not let her go <laughs> yeah kim's a saint so you guys what were some of the most difficult scenes that you had to film in graywood's plot with this being a two grand budget i'm sure there was some kind of issues along the way with some costume design or something in the film so what were some of the hardest experiences that you had with graywood plot you know what's funny is I've worked on a few bigger budget movies and they have just the same issues and it doesn't matter what you're doing in all filmmaking. There's always things fall. In fact, the more people you get and the bigger budget you get, it seems like the more challenging things can become from time to time. But I was just going to throw out the story because I don't think we've talked about this on anything. But uh, the scene at the very end of the movie, it's sort of my take okay. on... Uh, you know, American Gothic, where you see the two characters sitting next to each other in a very flat shot, the lake in the background. It, it, it's hard to tell in the actual shot itself, but it is like a biting, like negative five degrees outside. And it is like sleeting or like maybe it was yeah. like 25 because it was like a weird too yeah. cold to be out there but not too cold to be out there and it was like kind of almost raining but the rain was freezing and turning to sleet so i'm i set up the camera in my dog mask thing and what i'm wearing and i run down roll camera and daniel's just being like pelted from behind <laughs> by sleet and 
we're filming it and the camera's like slowly falling over in the snow and yeah. from the wind. <laughs> and so then I'm getting up and running back and there's Daniel just like freezing with his the tips of his ears starting to bleed from the sleet. And it was just like you had a, kind of like icicles coming down from your ears. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and, that, and I'm not realizing that it's that bad because I'm in a full robe with a the cowl on. Like I'm just hearing it kind of patting against my skull, but I'm like kind of warm from that having the mask on. And then I look over at Daniel and he's like, How much longer? <laughs> But we got through it. Again, like that's the the beauty of it being a uh, $2,000 independent movie is on any other film shoot, they probably would have been like, nah, it's too cold. We can't do this. Like right. you guys got to wait it out. I think it looks better because of the pain that we kind of had to go through. You could kind of see it in us. Yeah, I feel bad for that question because, you know, you assume that we had these huge, you know, hurdles to overcome. But really, we were fortunate enough that, yeah, we didn't have a timeline. Our biggest thing was definitely more mental. You know, we had, you know, we spent a long time piecemealing this movie together. You know, we would have to do it on weekends and like, you know, late nights. And it was kind of just the mental game of of persevering and like believing in the film enough to finish it rather than like, you know, oh, we only have 17 days uh, consecutively and, you know, everything falls apart. We were We were blessed to have like that lax, you know, casual atmosphere while we were filming but it was a matter of like getting to the finish line ultimately <laughs> and there's also that torture of is this going to be good enough are we going to take it a level above what you know let's be honest there's a lot of really great no budget independent movies out there but there's a lot of trash too and we really didn't we wanted to at least fall somewhere in between the two <laughs> and so yeah. So well, you're yeah, constantly cause... going like, is this is this good enough? Like, are we doing good enough? Yeah. Take it one more time because I if if what we have isn't good enough, maybe we can get it in the next take. And there were plenty of times where I was just like pushing us way too far, especially Keith. I would I'd make <laughs> Keith do takes over and over and over because he's not an actor, and I was nervous about his performance. And there were moments where I just I'd make him do it like thirty times, and then I'd look back at the footage and I'd be like, "Oh, he got it on the first try." I was a I was a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and just like knowing when you're done. I mean, we you know we don't have a studio backing us, or we don't have a deadline. So you know we could have we could have spent another two years, you know, futzing around and like messing with it. But you really have to like trust, you know, each other and trust that you've the movie's done and it's ready and like we've done the best we can with what we had and it's ready to go and we don't have to we don't have to do any more takes we don't have to do any more visual effects like this this is the piece of art that we want to put out there right and now what's next for Greywood's plot because i think you guys got distribution on this right we did september 16th through terror films uh it will be releasing on all digital platforms so you can pick it up mm -hmm. on voodoo or amazon or itunes or whatever your preferred watch uh venue is and then uh we're hoping to do some physical releases in the future but um yeah we're really excited that is the next move is to get it out there and actually get people seeing it beyond just the film festivals uh the film festival circuit was great it was very long with covid we've i feel like we've been doing film festivals for i mean it's literally been almost i mean it's been a year and a half at this yeah. point since our first <laughs> film festival yeah and so you know, we're finally ready to get it out there and see what it's one thing to have like film 
critics see it and have right. you know the people who go to film festivals and the people sitting in a theater together but i'm really excited to see what the people who are just sitting at home watching it think and what the people who stumble onto it because a friend says hey man there's this messed up movie you can get on voodoo and they hop on and watch it because then you're going to get those visceral responses of like that was the worst or right. that was the best <laughs> and i can't wait to hear what people think i just hope we're polarizing i hope there aren't a whole lot of like it was okay's because that is definitely not what we set out to do yeah right well guys thank you so much for joining me today and hope you have a good day and a good weekend ahead yeah you too. yeah thanks, thanks for so having much. us sir